0: Next week. But, anyways, here we go. Uh, week two of our summer series. Anyone remember what the uh, series is called? That's right, the road trip. Uh, who is actually taking a road trip this summer? Anybody? Hands? 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 Chris, you're taking a road trip. Chris? Here you go. This is for you. A tire pressure gauge from uh, Life Spring Foursquare. Uh, there you go. Uh, just remember, you want to have the right amount of pressure on a trip. You don't want to have too little, but you also don't want too much pressure. So, there you go. Well, if you weren't here uh, last Sunday, I'd encourage you to go to the Lifestream podcast. You can go on iTunes, any of those podcast hubs. Uh, You can go to the website. Uh, We made some adjustments to our video, so uh, it's kind of been out of sync. It should be in better sync now. It should also be a little bit bigger now as well, so uh, take take a a view of that. Also, if you ever have any suggestions on that, um, go ahead and put it in the tear-off tab, and we will put you on the team to uh, fix it, so that would be great. So go ahead and... uh, give us some suggestions. That'd be awesome. Um, Last week, if you remember, it was kind of a heavy message. Uh, Anyone, if you remember uh, the the title, go ahead and shout it out. Count the cost, right? Give up everything. uh, Die. (laughs) Die. Luke 14, that's what Jesus tells us. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to carry your cross, you've got to give up everything. And by the way, it it was good for me to hear that message, really good for me to hear that message. I think we probably need to hear that message every couple of months. If we're honest, we probably need to hear that message every couple of minutes, right? Am I willing to surrender everything to Jesus? Uh, That's one of the great things about worship, too, by the way, is that in worship you have that posture of, Surrendering. Uh, it's amazing that you gave that word about um, singing. I was thinking the same thing. I was sitting there and I was, I was thinking, you know what? Not to be too simple, but we need to teach people how to sing out loud every day, because we're we're teach- hopefully teaching and growing and learning how to sing on the hour on Sunday. But there is such power in you singing. Out loud, not just in your mind, not just in your heart, but out loud, so that the spiritual realm can hear what's going on in the name of Jesus in your life. For any temptations or anything, opposition, any walls, anything within your own life or the lives of others, that you just say, I just want the world and everyone around me to know that Jesus is my King and I am the temple of God. So, Anyways, when you said that, I was thinking about that. I was like, how can we just get it? I'm not coming to your house to, like, spy on you or anything. Like, are you singing? But I would encourage you to practice that. It's the same with speaking in tongues. People are like, well, I don't speak in tongues. And I, sometimes I'll just say, well, how about you start by speaking in English? Um, honestly, let's um, just hey, God, I love you. When no one else is looking, God, I, I really love you today. God, I really need And don't just say it in your mind. Don't just say it in your heart. But use your words. We use our words for a lot of other reasons. I'm way off topic right now, but I think there's something here. We use our words for a lot of other reasons, but use your words to bring glory to God. And then often tongues just comes when the English English dictionary has been kind of just failed to really adequately describe the love and adoration that you have for God. And then you begin to speak in other languages. But let's start with the one that we know. But here we are. We've counted the costs and we're heading out on the road trip, ready for the great adventure today we're going to talk about i i think i hope you enjoy it but it's actually once you've planned it that we're actually going to begin it we're actually going to start the journey and i have i think one of the best clips ever to uh really paint this picture number 1. Uh. Honey, are you, are you sure you can text? Trust me, okay? <laughs> oh. Thanks. By the way, have you ever been there when you can say honey in 10 different ways? Like, honey, 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 honey. I, like, I have been there before. Well, today we're going to look at what it looks like to begin the road trip. Specifically uh, today, if you're taking notes, I want to talk about being an infant in Christ. You might want to write that down. Being an infant in Christ. That if we want to start the journey with Jesus, if we want to head out on the road trip, that every one of us starts as an infant in Christ. If you have your bibles, smartphones, tablets, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is a letter written by Paul to the church in Corinth. If you've read 1 or 2 Corinthians, they are kind of spicy, right? <laughs> he has some things to say. <laughs> Isn't that the great thing about the Bible? I'm so off topic, but you can just read it. You're like, hey, I didn't say it. The Bible said it. I don't know what to tell you. But like, have you ever done that? Oh, anyway, sorry. That's the misuse of the Bible. But um, <laughs> Here it is. This, by the way, is a little spicy, but um, we'll walk through it. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed... You are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God, who makes things grow. Now, again, it's, he's kind of negative there, right? Yeah, hopefully you caught that vibe. And the passage It's a simple message, right, that you need to mature in Christ, not to live by the flesh, not to live and be worldly, but to live by his spirit. And that's true. That's that's the scripture. But I think another point needs to be made. And and if you have your Bible, just keep it up there. In fact, if we have the scripture, go ahead and keep the scripture up there. Because the other thing is it shows that at some point all of us were infants. All of us were infants in Christ. Not that we're supposed to stay as infants or even really enjoy being infants, but there was a time when you and I started our faith journey with Jesus, and we started the journey, and at the beginning of the journey, it was just a tad bit messy. Everyone say messy. And I want to show you from this passage just how messy it can get. If you're at the beginning of the journey with Christ, You still might be kind of worldly. Worldly, meaning you're still drawn to the things of this world. All those things that non-Christians are chasing after, running after, desiring. Guess what? You might be too. Also, if you're at the beginning of your journey, you might still need milk instead of solid food. You're not ready for solid food. It is a milk-based diet. Even after you think you're ready for something else, you are not getting the steak dinner. I want you to think Gerber. Strained peas, (laughs) strained carrots. But by the way, it's not your fault. You're an infant. You don't have to be embarrassed by this. I just want you to hear this really clearly today. You don't have to be embarrassed by it. You don't have to be ashamed by it. It's just the way it is. And every single person in this room has started the journey as an infant. So you got to drink some milk. you got to feed something that will be easy to digest. Also, look at things like jealousy and quarreling. We love to shame people that are jealous and and are always quarreling. But when you start the journey with Christ, you might still be good at fighting. You still might have your boxing gloves. You still might be good at being jealous and being envious at uh, quarreling, at arguing, at complaining. And finally, he says, if you're an infant... You really like to follow people. Uh, If you look at any of the, you know, the documentaries or any of those types of things on cults, who do the cults pick on? People that are earlier on the journey. Have you noticed that? On the infants, because infants like to follow people. Even in there, he says, well, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos. It still happens. I follow Pastor Steve, or I follow Pastor Dan, or I follow Bethel, or I follow whoever it is. As infants, it is easy to fall in the trap of following people instead of Jesus. But again, it is what it is. And I want to write that down. Infant in Christ, dash, (laughs) it is what it is. Because if walking with Jesus is something new in your life, then this is just kind of how it goes. And everyone's been there before. Now, some of us have forgotten that. Some of us who are a little bit later on the journey, we've forgotten that we were once infants in Christ, but we've all been there. And it's just a little bit messy as an infant. In fact, it's kind of awkward. Right? Do you remember what it was like when you started following Jesus When the first couple of days? I mean, you were just there, and let's say first couple of years, forget the first couple of days. Uh, but you're walking there, you're, maybe you get into your car, you drive, and you're like, you know, I'm going to listen to some Christian music. And so you're listening to Spirit 105.3, the sun's out, the birds are chirping, and the next minute a guy cuts in front of you, and you're cursing that guy out. Do you remember what that was like? One minute you're just like, man, I'm dedicated to Jesus, I'm, com- I'm serving food over at the community center. But then that night, you go home, you're on the computer, you're looking at something that you shouldn't be looking at. It's messy. It's messy. But remember, we've all been there. I've been there. And we all have to go through it. And I'm sorry, I apologize on behalf of all of the stuffy know-it-all Christians who on day one of your journey told you you could never make a mistake again for the rest of your life. Now, religion does that, doesn't it? Have you noticed that, that spirit of religion, the the rules of religion that don't allow us to be messy? But I want us all to hear this. God does. God does. Because of his son's death, because of his son conquering death, raising from the dead, because of Jesus, God can actually handle your mess. God died for your mess. I remember I started leading worship for my brother when I was 17 years old. Don't you know it is complicated to be a 17-year-old guy living in America, also trying to follow Jesus Christ. And I had my struggles just like everybody else. And I'm so thankful for the grace that my brother Doug, who was my pastor, the grace he showed me as I was learning how to walk, as I was learning how to grow up to be the man of God he had called me to be. I remember I'd get defensive. I'd talk back. I was very, very stubborn. And yet my brother, he had the wisdom and the patience just to know that I was a little bit further behind him on the journey. And so he showed me grace in the mess. Grace in the mess. Again, if you're taking notes, write that one down. There's grace in the mess. I remember a couple of years ago I was on a softball team. One of my teammates, they weren't happy about something that happened during the game. And he let a certain word just kind of whoop fly out of his mouth. And I was playing right next to him. And so then he apologized to me, which is totally awesome. But I told him, hey, don't even worry about it. Right? Don't even worry about it. This guy is one of my favorite people in the world. And in a lot of ways, he had just recently begun his journey. So sometimes, guess what? Towards the beginning, words are going to fly out even when you're standing next to your pastor. There is grace in the mess. You're at the beginning of your journey. This means, again, you might have an amazing experience on a Sunday morning. Have you ever had that? You're just there and you're like, man, I am ready to sell all my possessions. I'm ready to move to Africa just my entire life for the Lord. But then the very next morning, you go into work. You start gossiping about your wife or your kids. You start gossiping about your boss. You start cutting corners. And have you had that just sense in your gut? You're just like, wow, like what happened? Like where did that come from? Or maybe one day you're reading the Bible. I, I, I remember these days, right? You, you read the Bible, and it comes alive like never before. Remember when you're at the beginning stages of your journey, and you open up that Bible, you're like, what is this thing? This is the coolest thing. In fact, did anyone else decide they were going to memorize the whole book of the Bible? Anyone else besides me, right? Like, I am memorizing this thing. And then six months later, you realize you hadn't even picked it up one more time after that day. That's the real stuff of Christianity, isn't it? I love that clip because the driver knocks down everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> everything. And the beginning of the faith journey, I mean, it's exciting, it's fun, but quickly it can feel like you're hitting down every mailbox, every structure, and you're just trying to get out of the driveway. But why is it so difficult? Well, because it's new. Everyone say new. New, right? He he didn't know how to drive the RV yet. It reminds me of the great story in the Bible, Jesus and Nicodemus. You guys know this story, Jesus and Nicodemus. He tells Nicodemus very boldly, very very upfront. Doesn't get all sneaky like I talked about last week. But he says, "Hey, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again." And Nicodemus, he's not a young man at this time, and and so Jesus tells Nicodemus, he says, "I say to you, unless." One is born of water and the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. So, last spring, you were born of the flesh when your mama brought you into this world, but you were born of the Spirit when Jesus, by His Holy Spirit, came into your life. And praise the Lord. Can we just praise the Lord that we are spiritually reborn? Yeah, amen. Like, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am so thankful, when I think about what my life was before Jesus, hallelujah, that I've been born again. But because it's new, you're not going to be perfect at all this right away. And this is hard for some of us, but you're going to have to give yourself some grace for where you're at. Again, you might want to write that one down. This is one of the greatest struggles for people on the journey, that you're going to have to give yourself some grace for where you're at. And it might go something like this. You know what? I'm stepping into something that's kind of new, something that's kind of foreign to me. So uh, this whole, you know, not being mean and yelling at my kids when they do something wrong, it's new. This whole not turning to alcohol or other drinks when I'm depressed thing, you know, it's new. This whole not looking at pornography when I'm stressed out, this whole not quitting when things get hard, it's new. This is a new thing, and you got to give yourself some grace in the new thing it's one of the main things I tell new believers I say hey man you have been doing this thing we call life a different way for a long time like depending on when you came to Christ it could be decades upon decades of doing it a different way and being a Christian it's a new thing now it's a good thing praise the Lord it is good but it's completely radically new so you got to give yourself some grace in walking in the newness of God You know what it's like to be born of the flesh, but now you're learning what it means to be born of the Spirit. Give yourself grace. And I also want you to hear this life stream that God is giving you grace as well. Did you know that? Did you? Did you know that God was giving you grace in your mess? We sing about it, but do we really feel like we're forgiven? The Holy Trinity is not up in heaven with a clipboard... Just checking off every time you say the F word. Like, oh, I guess we shouldn't have called him to salvation. Not a chance. Paul says this. Or actually, Jesus says this to Paul. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. By the way, that was not just directly for Paul and no one else on this earth. That's for you, too. His grace is what? What? It's sufficient. for. Is it kind of sufficient? Is it just a little bit sufficient? No. The all-sufficiency of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And I think God might be calling some of us just to be a little bit honest today in the areas where we are weak. By God's grace, allow Jesus to help you in your weakness where you can say this morning, you know what, regardless of how long I've been saying I'm a Christian, professing that I'm a Christian, I'm kind of getting real today, I'm kind of at the beginning of all of this, and I need help. I need your help, Jesus. And as a Christian, you don't say that. You don't cry out for help from a place of condemnation. No, because of Jesus, you're no longer condemned in your sins. You've been forgiven, set free. But instead, you ask for help from a place of God's love, grace, and mercy. But asking for help, especially us as Americans, it's kind of hard for us to do sometimes. Our pride, there's such a pride in all of us. Our pride keeps us from getting to that place of humility of asking for help. But I just tell you, one of the greatest things you can do is humble yourselves. The Bible says, humble yourself and he will lift you up. Just say to Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your sufficiency in my life, for all the mistakes and failures and weaknesses of my life. But right now I need your help. And how about we get so bold to say, you know what, and in these areas where I know I am a spiritual child, Jesus I actually need you to clothe me. I need you to feed me. This is hard on our pride, isn't it? Like, we don't want to have anyone do anything for us. And Jesus, I need you to carry me. And by his grace, that's exactly what he'll do. The um, disciple, Peter, you guys know Peter. He, he talks about spiritual infancy, and I, I love the way he puts it. He says, you've got to get rid of all evil behavior, be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all kinds of of unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Isn't that one of the beautiful things we do in worship? Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Amen. What is it saying? Be done. Be done with deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, all those Unkind speeches be done. And like the Apostle Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 3 right here, Peter, what is he talking about? He's talking about the attitudes of the flesh. He's talking about those worldly behaviors, just like Paul. This is how the world acts. This is how the world talks. And when we come to Christ, these are exactly the behaviors that we sometimes still struggle with. But Peter has the solution, doesn't he? He goes on. He says, so, as you're getting rid of all these things, this is what you need to do, like newborn babies. Like infants, crave pure spiritual milk, so that you will, what does that say? Grow. Grow into a full experience of salvation. So yeah, you're trying to be done with these worldly behaviors, so... Press into the basics of Christianity. Press into the basics. Press into the truth that God loves you. Press into the truth that God sent His Son to die for you, to save you from your sins. Press into the fact that if you believe in Jesus and you have put your faith in His sacrifice, you're forgiven, set free, eternal life, born again in Christ Jesus. Press into that, church. Press into Jesus. And just in the mess of it all. I mean, the mess. I get it. There's mess. And some, I remember there's this guy who was like, "Damn, but you don't know what I've done. I said, well... Do we want to spend the next hour comparing how messy we are? Or can we just admit that we're both kind of messy? Just press into the mess. All the mistakes and failures, the slip-ups, the mess-ups. Just press into God and the salvation that He has for you in the mess. You know, some of us, just come back to the basics. Simple nourishment. Simple nourishment. Sit down with God. Practically, sit down with God. Invite His Spirit to have His way in your life. Sit down with God. Open the Bible. Open the Bible. We're literate. We can read. What a gift to be able to read and be able to actually read, practically read the Word of God. Sit down with His Word. Come back to the basics, as Dave was talking about, of worshiping God. Worship the Lord, not just on a Sunday morning, but come back to the basics. Sit down every day. Receive His Spirit. Sing to Him and read His Holy Word. What are you doing? You're, you're spending time just drinking and receiving the nourishment of spiritual milk. Spiritual milk so that we can grow. You will grow, by the way. Anyone convinced that you'll never grow? It's probably not God saying that to you. In my life, that's almost always Satan telling me you're the same as you've always been. Nothing good has been developed and grown in your life so I just encourage you in that one because God in the first passage that we said it said that God makes things grow and if God is in you guess what you will grow you will grow that's exactly what he says neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow I want to continue to read from first Peter if you have first Peter open it up Um, it's a little bit later we're going to go to chapter two I know I already read the first few verses, but I want to keep on going. So it would be a good one to turn to. 1 Peter chapter 2. We've got to do a series on 1 Peter. So good. All right. If you're there, I want you to pay attention. I'm going to read this. As worldly and as messy as we might feel as infants... Infancy is not our final destination. You might want to write that one down. Infancy is not our final destination. Pay attention. Look at This is what it says. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's Kindness. You are coming to Christ. Everyone say, I am coming to Christ. I am coming to Christ, Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones. Everyone say, I am a living stone. It says, you are a living stone that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. That's amazing, by the way, that statement. You can just kind of rush through that one, but did you see that? Because of the mediation of Jesus Christ, you are actually offering spiritual sacrifices that please God. God, hallelujah, as the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Later on, he says, you are a chosen people. He says, you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, because he has called you what? He has called you out of darkness into his wonderful, marvelous light. So we might all start as infants. But if we continue to come to Christ, there's no way we're staying the same. As you walk through the mess of it all, remember, you are a living stone. You are being built into a spiritual house. Remember, you are God's very own possession, a chosen child who has been called out of darkness into light. Paul says a little bit later in that passage in 1 Corinthians 3, listen to how Paul says it. He says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. So wherever you are this morning, church, remember who you are. If you want to grow out of spiritual infancy, remember who you are. You're a living stone. You are a part of the house of God. Now when you forget, every time you forget... You're going to revert to immature and infant ways. Right? In my own life, I can just tell you, when I forget who I am, when I forget my identity, my new identity in Christ, I will revert to old ways very quickly. But when I remember who I am, that I am royal, that I'm a chosen child of God, that I am holy, that I am God's very own possession, don't you know? Has anyone else experienced this? You stand a little taller. In fact, your smile gets a little bit wider because you don't have to go to your old ways. You don't have to go to the patterns of the world. You do not have to settle for or less because you know who you are in Christ, and who you are in Christ, by the very power of God, you begin to move forward and walk into your new destiny and calling of a new creation born again in Jesus Christ. That is the beauty of being a Christian and growing as you remember who you are. I've said it a couple of times this year, and I just love it. It's that some of us have spiritual amnesia. Now, I don't love that you have spiritual amnesia, but I think that's just a great way to describe how some of us are walking. Like we're just kind of just forgetting who we are in Christ. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. You're going to grow. Remember who you are. You're going to grow. But it's a process. It's a journey. Maturing in Christ, we're all going to make mistakes. If you... We're wondering if I make mistakes, just ask my wife. She'll, she'll be honest. Right? You're not going to do it perfect all the time? Also, this isn't too encouraging, but hopefully it will end up being encouraging. Lord Jesus, help us. On the journey, your faith will be tested. I just heard a sermon from a student on Thursday, and the sermon was, I didn't think Christianity would be so hard. See, as you grow and mature in the Lord every day, well, one, don't you know Satan hates you, by the way? And he would love to see your life just be destroyed, just nothing good. And by the way, also when you're down, he doesn't give you a chance to get back up. That's when he comes in even harder and fuller and just, he hates you. But also as the things of this world, just the practical things of this world try to knock you off course. As the things and people in your life try to cause you to forget who you are. And turn back the other direction. Grab the bags and just go back the other direction. I just want to encourage you this morning. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give up. Because even the challenges, even the obstacles that you face can help you mature in Christ. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? That's some of the hardest things, some of the ugliest things, some of the things that you wouldn't want anyone else to go through. But in my life, I just know that even some of those, the worst things, God used what the enemy meant for evil and he turned it for my good. And it grew me. It stretched me. I'm not even saying I was happy through it all. But I know that I was maturing in Christ. The Bible says it this way. He says the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He says let perseverance finish its work so that what? So that you can be mature, not lacking anything. Mature and complete. Not in what? Not lacking anything. Anything And maybe you're towards the beginning stages of your faith journey today, and you felt it, and that testing of the faith And this new life. Again, it's sometimes heavier and harder than you ever thought it would be. But in the name of Jesus, do not beat yourself up. Give yourself grace. You're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. But by Jesus' death on the cross, there is forgiveness for every single one of your sins. Your sins are forgiven, and don't you dare give up. You persevere. You endure. You're going to grow. God will cause you to grow to become mature, complete, lacking in nothing. Hold on. Hold on. And for those of us... And this is where I, I, I had to edit this a thousand times because it was always too harsh. And so it's, I think it's good now. But for those of us who have been on the journey for a little bit longer, can we be a church that is known for extending radical grace... To those who are at the beginning stages of the journey. I just heard the worst story this week of an older Christian coming down so hard on a new believer. It crushed my heart. I want to take us to Acts chapter 15 for just a moment. Acts chapter 15. It's a great scene. It is a wonderful scene. Paul is there, Barnabas is there. James is there. Peter is there. So we got some of the all-stars of the faith. And they're all together in Jer- Jerusalem. They're get together because something amazing has happened. All these new believers are coming to faith in the city of Antioch. So Antioch is having this revival, right? Just people coming to Jesus. Jesus. But then something happens. Some of the men come over to Antioch and they tell these Gentile believers that they had to follow the Jewish laws, Jewish rituals, circumcision, all those things to be saved. If you want to be saved, you've got to follow all these things. And so they put this heavy yoke of the Jewish religion upon these new believers, But now in this meeting between these spiritual giants, they actually decided, no, this is wrong. It is wrong to put the heavy yoke of religion, something we couldn't even follow ourselves. It's just too wrong for us to put this upon these people who are at the beginning infant stages of their journey. Too much to bear. And so James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, he says this. He says, it's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult... Oh, the, just the wisdom here. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And so they write this letter. The letter, you can actually read it in the book of Acts. They write this letter back to the new believers. They give them three things that they ask them to actually do. And in the Bible, it says the people, these new believers, these infants in Christ, when they, when they read this letter, it says they were glad... For it's encouraging message. Wouldn't it be something if those of us in this room who are a little bit further along in the journey, instead of putting that heavy yoke of religion on people, instead what if we spoke an encouraging message? An encouraging message that didn't condemn younger believers, but instead it inspired them. It inspired them to persevere in the faith. It inspired them to trust in a God who would cause them to grow, to become mature and complete in Christ. That we could confidently say to those who are struggling, to those who are feeling like, man, I'm just in the mess, that we could come as more mature believers. We could come in and we could say this, declare this, I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you, as hard as it feels, as challenging as it feels, as messy as it seems, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's the best thing my counselor would tell me. And I'd just be devastated. he said, say, do you believe that God loves you? Yes, I believe God loves you. Do you believe God's for you? Yes, I believe God's for you. Well, do you believe? that He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Yes, I believe that. I left those counseling sessions not giving up, not quitting, not running back the other way, not grabbing my suitcases and bailing. I said, no, yeah, yes, yes. Younger believers need to hear that from you. Need to hear that from me because they're scared and they're hurting we just have to be very sensitive to that what we can do I I had a bunch of stories I took them all out because I realized I was talking about people in this room so I just got them out of there but we gotta be—we have to be sensitive to new believers. And do you trust? And it's hard, especially when it's a loved one. Do you trust that God is gonna complete that good work that He started in them? That yeah, they're on the journey. But remember, you were on a journey, and there was a lot of grace for you from God on your journey. And there needs to be grace for them. And then I want to close with this. And worship team, you guys can come back up. But regardless of where you're out on the journey, we got to hear this. And I hope we receive this. May none of us, not even one of us, I don't care how old we are, but none of us settle on the journey. You might want to write that down. Do not settle on the journey. May none of us become complacent in the areas where we are still infants. Again, your destiny is not infancy. Your destiny is not infancy. Allow God to do a good work, not just in your neighbor or not just in your spouse, but allow God to do a good work in who? Yeah, in me, in me. Man, talk about being a preacher when you're working through this uh, yourself. Like, God, just there's some areas where I'm still kind of a baby. Would you just grow me up in Christ this week? There's every one of us. There are areas in our lives where we need the power of the Holy Spirit because of Jesus Christ just to radically come in and change us from the inside out. It's going to take some humility to admit that. And again, our pride, especially that spiritual pride, just keeps us from getting there. But there are areas where we need to be broken before the Lord and say, God, I am way too immature in this area, but I'm just going to trust you that as I get real with my life, you're going to get real with my life as well and you're going to grow me from infancy to maturity. For some of us, God is calling us to grow up with the encouragement of the Word. Encouragement of the Word. It is time for us to be mature with the Bible. That we would actually see the Word of God as our daily bread. It is not a once a week meal. I don't say that to condemn you, but I say it because I actually want you to succeed in life. I want you to thrive in the kingdom of God. And you need to know what your God sounds like. And one of the best ways to know what He sounds like is to read His Letters, read his words, read his books, read the word of God. Learn what that looks like to read it every day. For others of us, it's just, I know he is calling us deeper into maturity in our finances. There's so much fear in our country in the area of finances. But he is calling us to maturity in giving, in tithing, that we would trust him with our money. Trust him that he wants to grow us in this world of just trusting Him with our finances, others of us, it's to grow in wisdom that we would finally put the porn filter on our electronic devices and every single one of them. I am tired of guys telling me, like, well, you know, there's always a workaround. Okay, well, let's make it harder for you to work around. Be free. Men in this house, be free. Stop living in shame. God loves you. There's forgiveness for every one of your sins, every one of them, every one of them. So in freedom, not in condemnation, but because of his grace, because of his love, just like, man, like in this area, like I'm kind of towards the beginning, so I need some help. Would you be my accountability partner? Would you uh, install this on my app? And would you have the password so I can't delete it? You know how much freedom there is in that? Grow up, right? Let's grow up. I don't say that to condemn you. I say that I want you to be free. That you can actually breathe. Breathe. For others of us, it's just to take that mature step of going to a counselor. Like I went to a counselor and praise the Lord for Bible-based counselors. That you would go. And don't go. Just tell them all the things you do Right? Or don't go just so he'll tell the person next to you all the things they're doing wrong. But you go because you're like, man, if if I'm honest, there's some areas where I just need God to come in and help me and to heal me. Because I want to grow, but there's this brokenness or there's this hurt, and I just know it is a wall that keeps on coming up. I keep on running up against it. And I'm ready for God to come in by the power of His Holy Spirit and break down that wall. God is so good. He is so good. He's worthy of our worship. Why? Because He's not just some dictator up in heaven. But He's actually a God who loves us, loves us enough to send His Son to die for us. And so be open to what He might want to do in you today. Max Licato, he has a great quote. You guys have heard it before, but it's so applicable to this message today. He writes, God loves you just the way you are, amen, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. God loves you just the way you are. But he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. And we all expect to grow to become more like Jesus. To become mature, complete in Jesus. Lacking nothing in Jesus. Lord Jesus, right now we admit that there are areas where we are a mess. We're a mess. It's just messy. It's messy. But God, I... What I, what I hear and I've heard this whole week and what I've even tried to communicate today is that, God, you find pleasure in us, even in our mess. And some of you need to hear that today. It was even a struggle to come to church this morning because you just felt the heaviness of your mess. And yet God is telling you He loves you. He even likes you. He adores you. And you're not hiding anything from Him. But He's not hiding Himself from you. Because of Jesus, there was this mediation. Jesus, what He did on that cross, it brought you back into a right relationship with your Heavenly Father. And Some of you need to hear this as we're praying. that, Again, you've heard it a thousand times, but we just struggle to receive this. Salvation is not about what you have done. And it's about what Jesus has done for you. You just have to put your faith and trust in Him faith and trust in him. And then from that place of salvation, God, our God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, will do a good work in you. And so, God, I just pray right now by your spirit in a creativity and also in a specificity, like in in just the most intimate and special and even just in the micro areas of our life, would you begin right now, even as I'm speaking, would you begin to do a work in each one of us in those areas where we need your spirit to do a work? Right now, Lord, you're able to get through the bone and the marrow. You're able to get past our joints and our muscles. You're able to get past all of our excuses. You're able to get past all our hurts and brokenness. There's an ability of your spirit, the ability of your word to just to break those things down and get to the depths of who we are. And Lord, you don't, even your conviction, is not to condemn us. Your conviction is to bring us into the abundant life that you've called us to. Right? Lord, your conviction is not to shame us. Your conviction is to have us rise up to be who you've called us to be. So Lord, just show us, out of your pleasure and your love for your kids, would you show us right now practical steps that we could take? practical things that we could do just not just not to do them to do them but that your spirit would be telling us right now just those next steps on our faith journey and Lord Jesus also as a church I I know many of us have been Christians for, for a while Lord would you show us what it looks like to help those who are a little bit towards the beginning stages of the journey not to condemn them not to judge them, but to help them, Lord. To pray for them, to encourage them, to share wisdom with them. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. We're, we're, we are a church. We are a religion. We are a part of the system. And so we just want to ask for forgiveness right now for the ways that we have put the heavy yoke of religion on people coming to your son, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me any time I've compromised and given a set of rules instead of opening up a life of freedom for those that are spiritual infants. Lord, just forgive me for that, God. Lord, we need you right now in this moment. It's such a strong word. We need you once again to show us that you are faithful to complete the good work in those that you started that good work in. We just need that. We need to, to have a confidence, Lord that you actually love these people much more than we ever will. And Lord, prophetically, we know that this church is growing. We know that just practically in our walls that more people are coming and that in the years to come, more people will come into this building. The practical four walls building, more people will be coming. We, we get that prophetically. But we also want to be ready for it, Lord. We want to be ready to embrace people with the joy of the Lord, with the love of Jesus. To embrace people in their mess. To embrace people in their imperfections. To embrace people that have one foot in the world and one foot uh, living by the Spirit. But just to encourage them, to love them, to have grace for them, to help them go on the journey with you, Jesus. Lord, protect them from us. If we're not ready, keep them out. Like, protect them from us, Lord. We, we don't want to harm anyone. But I think even in my heart, you're, you're, you're doing a good work in me this week. And you're preparing me and you're preparing so many of us to be ready to receive spiritual infants in Christ.